0: Coming up after 10.15, we'll talk about the Me Too movement in an interesting area, video game. Uh, industry plus uh, twitter having a problem with noisy porn apparently uh, and more with dr jason Behrman, who is our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology who joins us every month to give us the latest uh, the latest in technology as it affects our sex life but first
1: time to check out our inbox your texts are always welcome connect with passion at 514 800
0: you know you can always email me to lori at drlori dot com as well, or you can email me right here at five or text me rather at five one four eight hundred. I I hope our text board is working. I uh, wasn't last night, but uh, we'll we'll just give it a go. Uh, this one came through uh, by email. Hello, Doctor Lori. What is the legality? When enlisting the services of an escort, and how are escorts treated by the police? I also noticed a lot of sites. The ads seem to be fake. So I got this earlier, so I had a chance to look up the law uh, when it comes to uh, our prostitution laws, because it's a bit confusing, to say the least, okay? So the bottom line, if you ask, is prostitution legal, the answer is no. It isn't. So uh, there was a bill called the uh, Bill C-36, which came into effect December 6, 2014, to criminalize prostitution. So we're talking about prostitution as a transaction that involves both the purchase and the sale of sexual services. So the bill, the offense there, is it prohibits the purchasing of sexual services services that's what makes the prostitution transaction illegal you're allowed to bottom line is you're allowed to sell you're not allowed to buy i don't know how that makes any sense to anybody uh, but nonetheless so purchasing sexual services is illegal and businesses that profit from the prostitution transaction are also illegal so things like uh, massage parlors or uh, brothels or things like that are illegal. This is all from the Department of Justice website, by the way. You can get more. I, I'll give you a couple of the Q&As there, but uh, you can get more like, more detailed information. Uh, the other question is, can a person purchase sexual services? So purchasing sexual services and communicating in any place for that purpose is now a criminal offense, uh, in uh, Canadian criminal law, a person convicted of this offense may be sentenced to up to five years imprisonment uh, if prosecuted on indictment and 18 months if prosecuted by summary conviction. I don't That's all that's all legalese to me anyway. Um, what about selling? Selling uh, the new prostitution laws. Well, the new since 2014 uh, do not criminalize the sale of sexual services. Okay. They protect those who sell their own sexual services from criminal liability for any part they may play in the prostitution offenses that prohibit purchasing sexual services, advertising those services, receiving a material benefit from the prostitution of others, or procuring others for the purpose of prostitution. This means that the laws do not prevent sellers from taking certain uh, safety measures if they want to continue to sell their sexual services. They can sell them. They're allowed to hire, for example, a bodyguard as long as the bodyguard is not a pimp. Uh, So living off the avails of prostitution, that's uh, definitely a a criminal um, offense. And, you know, of course, going, uh, trying to solicit from somebody who is under 18, also a criminal offense. I mean, those are basic stuff. But Uh, purchasers of sexual services are always criminalized for their role in the prostitution transaction. It makes no sense. You're allowed to sell. You're not allowed to buy. So who are you selling to? (laughs) That's the big question. Who Who do we sell to? Uh, and then a final question is, can a person advertise the sale of their own sexual services? So, um, the advertising offense criminalizes advertising the sale, but the laws also protect from criminal liability a person who advertises the sale of their own sexual services. So what I understand from this is that you can, you can advertise yourself you cannot advertise for other people. In other words, if I'm a brothel and I say, I've got a bunch of women for you, I'm not allowed to do that. But if I, as a sex worker wanted to, I could advertise my own, uh, services. So again, it, I don't know how this makes any sense if you can sell but you can't buy, and of course it, it also has, um, you know, you can't you can't, uh, you can't solicit anywhere near a park, a school, anywhere in public or or things like that. So uh, basically, these reforms target those who create the demand for sexual services. So those who like like massage parlors, let's say, who advertise for those, and those who capitalize on that demand. So the owners of such establishments. Um, and that's it. It's interesting because the the act of exchanging sex for money actually had been legal for most of Canada's history. And uh, so now this is obviously uh, has changed in, in uh in 2016 so even i wasn't completely aware i i I know i always knew it was confusing so if you want to get more information go to the department of justice website and all the information is spelled out there uh for you pretty um pretty fascinating uh texter writes it is illegal to solicit sex uh for money it's a felony you can offer sex so long as it's not for money Well, you can. You're allowed to sell sex. You're allowed to say you're just not allowed to be the purchaser of it. So I'm not sure who you'd sell it to if you can't purchase it. It, If anybody can make sense of this, please uh, let me know. 514-800. All right. Uh, My wife refuses to have sex with me. To where I have to beg her. I've done everything I can to show her she's beautiful to me and that I love her. But she always gives me the same excuses every time. I've bought her lingerie she wanted, but it just sits and collects dust. She keeps telling me sex isn't everything. But I've read that it helps keep a healthy marriage. And whenever we do, she never takes off her shirt and she just lays there. Doesn't show any sign of affection at all. What should I do? Well, it sounds like you've tried pretty hard to understand what's going on uh, with your wife. I certainly understand your frustration, your uh, disappointment, and I would agree that sex is healthy for a marriage. It's a great way to connect, anyway, emotionally uh, and such, with uh, with each other. It's not the only way, um, I might add. Um, now, I do see quite a few people with this very situation. But the first thing I need to do when I'm presented with this is I have to assess the situation. What is the person whose desire is low? What is she going through? What any, any changes? Is there hormonal? Is there depression? Is is there medication? Is there stress and fatigue? Is she resentful? Uh, Does she have body image issues? I mean, these are all questions that we need to uh, look at, and there could be many, many reasons for why uh, somebody might be disconnected uh, from their partner in this way. So I would certainly encourage her to go with you to see a marriage slash a sex therapist uh, so that you can at least discuss your feelings about your relationship, figure out what is actually going on. Like it's important to know what is the source? Where did it all begin? Uh, what is going on before we can just do, treat the, you can't, you actually can't when it comes to desire and things like that, you can't just treat the symptom. You got to find out the, the source, uh, and then, uh, work your way to that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight it's our sex tech night. That's when Dr. Jason Behrman joins me. He's a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. And we're always focusing on issues related to sexuality. And a couple of people we were talking about the legalities of a prostitution. And maybe Dr. Behrman you can give put in your two cents. But I just want to share a couple of uh, text messages here uh, most prostitutes will ask a potential client if they are in any way part of law enforcement if the client lies and is a policeman it is entrapment charges will be dropped this is why so many rarely get arrested well dr jason and i were talking off air about this saying that like okay you can't really buy it uh, that's to protect the soliciting on the street uh, and so you know you're you call somebody who's advertising and you have an an exchange with that person directly and you go to some hotel, there's nobody to know who's doing what. So that's why it's not, they can't really enforce it in that way. They can only enforce it when they see somebody buying it on the street. Like, you know, you're in a car and you say, hey, uh, you know, can I get this for this amount of money? How much do you charge? If they're caught doing this in a public space, then then yes. Uh, this texter writes, um, I think those laws were the Harper administration's attempt, true, to target the usually male purchasers and go easier and not victimize the usually female sellers. That's true. That's why they didn't make it illegal to sell. Uh, I think the laws are draconian and unnecessary, but at least they didn't primarily go after the often already life overburdened Prostitutes. I agree with that. But why not just make why not decriminalize and um, and then regulate it like they do in, in other countries? Uh, Dr. Jason, you've traveled the world. You've seen the sex industry in, in different parts of the world. What do you have to say about it?
1: Well, it's not so much that I, I've seen uh, the sex industry. It's more that I've—it's uh, a topic that I studied uh, back in my my uh, doctorate um, education when I was doing a lot of work in public health interventions ah. and you know the the ethics of public health and one very vulnerable population that uh, you learn about in detail are sex trade workers and how um, just very draconian laws. Uh, increase the health burden that this uh, vulnerable population faces and that it it foments and encourages the the spread of uh, sexually transmitted diseases and other diseases and and violence and and high rates of like murder amongst uh, sex trade workers and so many people say that these are laws that um lessen our population health rather than protect public health and safety. So there's like laws like that. There's laws against, um, you know, um, HIV, laws against drugs. These are like the uh, typical laws that we learn in public health policy and the ethics of public health policy where, you know, the, the laws cause worse harm to population health than like eliminating them. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we study in detail and we know that uh, from public health Um, detailed research that's been peer-reviewed and it's been, you know, similar findings around the world for many, many years, then when you decriminalize prostitution and you regulate it as any other kind of work, um, health outcomes improve significantly, especially for the most vulnerable members of society that participate in the sex trade industry.
0: Right. And yet the, if you look at the website for the justice department they They actually talk about some of the international uh, studies that say that jurisdictions that have decriminalized or legalized prostitution have larger sex industries and higher rates of human trafficking for sexual exploitation than those that seek to reduce the incidence of prostitution, so they talk about um, you know the the, the at risk i mean this is what it was all that law was meant to try and uh, eliminate, if you could, uh, human trafficking, basically. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's working, but that's what it it was meant to do.
1: Well, um, I've spoken on past episodes of Passion on different kinds of uh, tech technology laws where we're trying to um, mitigate this problem with human trafficking and the sexual exploitation of uh, very vulnerable populations, and um, well, we keep adding more and more like regulations, uh, especially on like limiting what kind of content you could post online related to the sex trade industry, and they don't seem to be curving the problem too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then many people will argue, it's like, well, if you decriminalize, uh, the sex trade industry and make it more transparent, that's one of the best ways to oversee the industry and make sure that everybody plays by the rules. Right. The same way that we do with cannabis.
0: Right. Tobacco,
1: alcohol, um, true fireworks, firearms, stuff like that. You know, there's a reason why we try to do this in a more transparent fashion and, um, Um, delegate control of the industry to a select few regulators and also players so that, you know, we as a society can pull the strings and orient how best to, you know, develop these kind of industries. There's a reason. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why sex trade work is still regulated the way it is. It's it's bizarre, because all the scientific evidence points in the opposite direction, and we're not mm-hmm. moving really uh, fast enough in that direction. There's some progress, but not nearly enough. Uh,
0: oftentimes, uh, conservative governments also uh, uh, cherry-pick the, uh, the research that they want to um, illuminate to make their point, right? So mm-hmm. there's also that part of it. Uh, Texer writes, in buying and selling, have you visited escort websites in the last few years? They post recommended monetary gifts or donations. I guess that's how... Uh, they try getting around the buy sell transactional, uh, illegality. Wouldn't uh,
1: surprise me. Lots of people, yeah. uh, use loopholes to get around these, these bizarre laws that are kind of, uh, anachronistic, I guess you could say. Yeah.
0: So, and mm-hmm. somebody else raised, ladies of the evening over 18 and doing this of free will provide an important service. Some men who have a fear of intimacy, i.e. a relationship, but seek pleasure of the flesh are the purveyors. And I think it, it cuts down on rape. Um, Which is a possibility too. I don't know what what you've seen as the the research, but we know that as, uh, for example, with the porn industry, as porn has been more and more accessible, rape has gone down. Levels oh, of rape, well, so.
1: correlation or causation. I know. I, mean, I like, we'll never be able to tease that apart. And I so know. everybody I out know. there, there's a big difference between correlation and causation. But I know with, like, sex trade work, if you do your research on it and you actually have conversations with people who participate in the sex trade industry it's like any kind of knowledge that you gain. Like, when you demystify it, it's way less scary. And you find that a lot of people who participate in the industry are really well-grounded, well-rounded, interesting, cool people. And the type of clients that they uh, serve are not these, like, gross, horrible people that are like, you know, beating them up or anything right. like that. Um, um, some people are in the sex trade industry that are super vulnerable because they have a uh, addiction problems, mm-hmm. but a lot of people they pursue this line of work just like a career, and they have clients that have disabilities or inabilities to socialize with other people. They find it very hard to have a relationship, and so they will seek the services of people that work in the sex trade industry. And, you know, there's a lot of really the mm-hmm touching stories out there of people, you know, that were never able to really have a loving relationship or even just like, you know, tenderness with another person because they had like a skin condition or some Mm -hmm. other kind of disability that many people in society would just make them like a write off and be like, Oh my gosh, you're a wheelchair user. Oh, uh, you're untouchable kind of thing. Or like, Oh my gosh, you're over the age of 55. I don't ever want to look at you again, you know? And we're like, Whoa, you know, if we're going to be that critical of sex trade work, why don't we turn the mirror on ourselves and like, look at how critical we are of people who do not fit a certain kind of mold of, like, attractiveness, sexiness, and beauty. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of these people in society. And, like, what are you going to do? We're just going to ignore that they exist and that, you know, they right. have needs of as well. Not. It doesn't make sense.
0: Also, what's interesting is over the years of my career, on numerous occasions, I have had sex workers um, make a- take appointments with me not for help, But for supervising, in other words, for me to tell them to, to, because they were looking for information to help their clients, Mm. they were looking for information, like, what do I do with how can I help this man who, you know, suffers from erectile dysfunction? And what do you think is going? So they were actually learning, because they wanted to be of a, a, a more of a service rather yep. than just taking somebody's money and whatever, whatever, right? So I find that to be interesting. But it, it certainly breaks down a lot of myths that we have around, uh, around sex work when you see that it's not all what that's portrayed just in the media.
1: Exactly. When we
0: see them as real people, you know, and <laughs> the, the, the variation and, and variety of different, the diversity of people in the, uh, the sex trade industry. All right, let's get to our uh, esports. sports uh, well,
1: Yeah, we, we, were, we were supposed to talk about technology. So um, anyway... Well, you
0: know, <laughs> well, you know, the sex trade now has moved into technology, so... We, oh, yeah, I, have, right? I
1: talked about it, uh, high-tech uh, sex trade industry on, on Passion a few times before. Right. We even talked about, like, cryptocurrencies being used uh, for payment there. Um, but, like, today I want to talk about... Um, Problems with the e-sports and video gaming industry. So this is a new industry that has like ballooned into a multi-billion dollar cash cow in many areas of the world. And Montreal has a booming industry here. And we subsidize it heavily. And there's lots of major firms that have set up shop here.
0: Like What's an e-sport, first of all, for those of us who don't know?
1: So it's electronic sports. So it's people who play video games and they compete against each other. So they're multiplayer games. And, uh, yeah, you go into these different kinds of video game worlds, and people watch it, and it's become a, a multi-million dollar industry, uh, entertainment, and there's, like, celebrities around the world, celebrity gamers, people who are really skilled at playing different kinds of video games, and they will compete with each other for um, first prize places that uh, sometimes are in the millions of dollars. So this is quite lucrative and a, a big deal now. And um, like I said, uh, video game developing companies are a major part of Montreal's uh, tech economy right yes. now. And um, since it's a new industry and it's growing really rapidly, you know, with every industry, there comes uh, growing pains. And now we're starting to see some growing pains in this industry here. And so um, there's a lot of people saying that the gaming industry is now going through... A Me Too movement. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll go back to that after the break.
0: Yep. We'll talk about uh, what does the Me Too movement have to do with our gaming industry here, which is uh, should be interesting to find out what how the two are actually connected. But this whole esports thing, now that you told me what it was, I'm seeing all these young people who are on their iPads looking at other people playing a game rather than playing it themselves. So I'm thinking, what is so interesting about that? Clearly, there is an industry for this and people are making money off of this. So uh, Dr. Jason Behrman is our guest specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Sex and technology, when the two cross over, uh, the video gaming industry is having a Me Too moment. Dr. Jason Behrman, a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, explains. Dr. Behrman. Yeah,
1: so as I was saying uh, before the break... Um, yeah, so this this is a new industry, and it seems to be having some growing pains. And what happened, very similar to what we saw with uh, Hollywood, which had a long history of sexual assault and sexual harassment in the industry that finally fell over with um, uh, a, a brave people starting to come forward and, and uh, announcing to the world what Harvey Weinstein was doing to them mm-hmm. and many, many other people in power in uh, in the film industry, I must say. Well, there's been one person who came forward saying that they were in, in the gaming industry and competitive gaming at one of these esports competitions. Uh, he said that he was sexually assaulted by another uh, player um, when he was a minor at one of these events. And wow. then, since he came forward with his stories of abuse, there was like ninety other accusations that have been made against members of um, a competitive organization in esports called Super Smash Bros. Okay, so that's based off like you know the the Mario games back in the day. Oh yes. So it's a huge organization and um, like very lucrative. And um, after that, there was uh, fifty allegations of sexual misconduct uh, came forward from uh, another organization related to another organization called Twitch. And after that happened, um, you know, one of the darling companies in video gaming is Ubisoft, and they have a huge office here in Montreal, well, um, just recently they had a departure of two prominent members, um, such as in Paris, their vice president uh, Tommy Francois, and their Toronto-based vice president of editorial Maxine uh, Belland. Um, uh, uh, uh A hundred employees sent a protest letter saying that they have grave concerns about ongoing uh, reported harassment in the office by these people, and so these two prominent members of this uh, gaming industry, uh, this gaming company, had to had to resign. So, but. I- um,
0: jason is there is there a climate of like what is it about the gaming industry is it a very uh macho industry like what is it do you know anything about it about what this the social climate is in in these kinds of companies
1: not so good so i could talk about that for a long time but i just want to say that um people, like, rumors of abuse, similar to, like, what was happening in Hollywood. Rumors of abuse have long existed at uh, these uh, e-tournaments, these uh, these uh, esports uh, tournaments going on. And um, a lot of people said that there was very lax security. A lot of people didn't really bother to supervise what was going on. And there was, like, a lot of vulnerable minors that yes. go to, you know, video game things. So, like, you should be overseeing these events a little bit better. But that wasn't happening. The video game... Industry as a whole, um, especially its client base, has a bad reputation for extreme misogyny and lots of sexism and sometimes very um, aggressive trolling of uh, women who speak out against inappropriate behavior and um, um, misogynistic representations of women in video games in general. And right. also, it's not a climate that's very welcoming to women as participants in these like, e-sports um, hmm. gaming events. And so it's kind of a, it has a reputation for being a bit of a, a toxic climate, I guess you could say. Right. So it comes as no surprise that there, there, there's lots of rumors of, you know, people are not behaving very well in terms of the sexuality department and, you know, uh, stop touching me <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> kind and, of thing. And the equality too, because we're seeing so many more women who are getting into gaming as well, Right.
1: And it's an uphill battle. And like a lot of people and and women themselves, they say, well, we want representation too. We want to um, uh, make an impact in this lucrative industry as well. And let's develop games that are more, um, I guess, uh, appropriate for multiple genders not just like a male oriented kind of uh commercialization of shoot 'em up kind of games mm-hmm. like n- let's add some more diversity to it and a lot of the women that try to push forward these initiatives get a lot of uh kickback um by trolls and other like vicious nasty people online and in in general like at one of these like major organizations that do esports in 2019 so very recently they built like a And like an arbitration body to handle complaints but it's like complaints that could be anything from you know people getting too drunk and like breaking Mm -hmm. equipment at a tournament to people claiming sexual assaults but people are saying that this arbitration body is like a quick and easy way to deal with complaints and without going to court you know and without having everything being very like transparent so a lot of people are saying it's like well we don't really like this transparency and you know, instead of like having criminal charges, what they could do is they could ban you from like esport competitions right. all your life. And this has happened to you know very prominent uh, Canadian players that some of that that were considered to be some of the best in the world, and they've now been completely ostracized from the yeah. esports. Uh, good,
0: that's good punishment. Arena. Right.
1: Um, yeah, that's good punishment. But um, the thing is, is that they are accused of um, sexual misconduct. But we don't really get to see any of the evidence. And mm-hmm. it's not really like a criminal hearing or anything right, like right. that. And we don't really get to see like, well, what was this judgment, this ban based on? And so whenever you have a lack of transparency, that lets all the people who are like, you know, against Um, The victims, which is quite often like a large body of like angry trolls online, um, they cry foul and they say like, oh, we can't even see like what's going on with this arbitration panel. And like, what is the evidence uh, that you have uh, Mm -hmm. put forth? And like, this is all just political and all stuff like that. So overall, it's like it's very controversial. There's lots of tension. And obviously, the industry needs to grow up a little bit. And if there's lots of rumors going on that this is happening and that it's, like, endemic in the field, that's a wake-up call. And we need to have, like, maybe we need to have greater regulations and oversight.
0: Yeah, and I worry mostly about there's a lot of kids that are gamers, so Mm -hmm. a lot of underage people, the the vulnerable population. Like, I would hope that if any complaints happen with kids that those are criminalized ASAP, like that especially – That that doesn't, you know, I mean, it's not enough. Is it enough just to ban them, you know, because they can go online and meet other kids? Like, it's just a scary, it's a scary world where the, where kids intersect with adults uh, so often, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that's a problem. Actually, a couple of texts came in. uh, Apparently on Bell 5, uh, there's a channel that uh, it's only like eSport games that you can watch live. So the text writes, whoever subscribes to that channel seriously needs a life.
1: (laughs) Well, it used to be the brunt of jokes, but this has now become like a major industry. And like people do go to like stadiums or like big halls to watch these people play competitively. And like it's... um, uh, video games today are not like the video games that we had like in the 90s, you know? <laughs> when they yeah. had like those sound effects and stuff. <laughs> oh, like, oh, no, darling, that's, that's Atari, that's the 80s. Okay, okay? stop. <laughs> so we've been around <laughs> so like <laughs> Nintendo, like in the 90s. Like these right. are very immersive, complicated games that require a lot of focus and a lot of practice over time and they're, they're like very, uh, like virtual and realistic and they require a lot of, uh, uh, problem solving and, uh, uh, a degree of complexity, like you go on a journey or a quest and right. sometimes you know you have to navigate crazy worlds uh, that are, are are hard to navigate. So it's almost like you actually going into like a deep, dark forest and trying to find your way out. So these games do have a competitive edge to them and this right. is why this industry has developed. I've and, only, yeah, the only game
0: else. I've ever played that had any, like I played Grand Theft Auto one time you know, Mm -hmm. had fun smashing up cars and stuff, but like, there is so much shooting and, and it was just so violent. It was crazy violent. But once you get into it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You Uh. you get, you really, your adrenaline goes, I said, okay, I, you know, I got to stop this because I could be here probably for a long time. So. Uh, I think, it, and, and I look at kids today, especially during COVID, right? Where parents are, are a little more, uh, easygoing on, on their, uh, the, the electronics usage because the kids are bloody hell bored and there's not a lot to do. And sometimes the parents have to work. And so a lot of these kids are gaming a lot. They're on their mm-hmm. iPads and, and computers and spending an awful lot of time. And I'm watching this, you know, I've got kids in my, in my entourage, I'm watching. I said, what are they doing? They're not even playing. They're watching people play. So it's not even a movie. They're just watching people play. But that's how fascinating, I guess, it can be.
1: How, is, how different is that from people who stare at the, at the TV watching a hockey game or a football game? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's very similar. And this is I guess you're it. right. And this is why we call them e-sports. E-sports, right. Because it's that's just true. like people who are indulging on a, a football game or like a really intense hockey game.
0: That's like, so true. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that, but that's exactly it. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Twitter. It's known for all kinds of stuff, including like stuff that's X rated, uh, I believe. Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman is with us, a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, is telling us why Twitter has a problem with noisy porn, not just any porn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. With with, with noisy porn and uh, yeah, Twitter is uh, is unique. It's one of the few very popular social networks out there that does permit uh, adult content um, to be posted, and uh, that's not an issue. That's not a problem whatsoever. Um, where it does get to be a problem is like how people are posting uh, adult content on on the network without it being like explicitly as such so that you could filter out like what you as a user on the platform can and cannot see. So if you do not want to see that adult content, sometimes it's not super easy for you to avoid uh, seeing that material. Okay. So as I mentioned several times before on passion is that whenever we have some kind of technological innovation, it doesn't take human beings too long to get sexy with it. Um, <laughs> so whatever it is, like its like it's just got to wait a little bit of time. And as once as human beings get their hands on it, they're going to find a way to, to sexualize sex it up.
0: It. Yeah, exactly. So
1: um, we, in the past, like not too long ago, we had this wave on social media with uh, live streaming, and, you know, we had some, like, uh, many brown, uh, groundbreaking uh, examples of live streaming on uh, Facebook, for example, of, like, you know, police brutality and also the, the mosque uh, massacres in New Zealand. Um, well, Twitter had something similar. It's called Periscope. So it's a live streaming uh, I use Periscope.
0: We well, used it. Go. We started Periscoping our shows and then moved to Facebook Live, but we used Periscope a long time yeah. ago.
1: Yeah, so Periscope was like one of the first to to jump on board. And everybody was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. You could use it for breaking news because Twitter is very popular with journalists. So it's great and um, they said like explicitly do not use this service for pornographic or overtly sexual content mm-hmm. um, but the company like anything you post on Twitter is not responsible for the content you post so it's kind of like watch at your own risk as people say okay well lo and behold like, it didn't take long for people to go onto like Periscope and see like a lot of people doing um, exhibitionism let's say mm-hmm. and it, uh, it wasn't too uncommon let's say for you to go on Periscope and see like adult content people doing whatever you can imagine right well, um, now with social media, I think people are starting to notice um, audio features. So instead of like typing out a message to people, you could just give like a short audio clip mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of like texting people or sending messages like that. It's very convenient. Well, Twitter is now testing and deploying around the world slowly um, new audio tweet features. So you could give like a, a short snippet of, uh, of of your voice. And if it's, like, over a certain number, uh, it's 140 seconds of audio. Mm-hmm. So, just like they used to have 140 characters. Right. And if it's a bit longer, they will break it up into, like, multiple audio snippets. So, like, multiple tweets. Okay. And so, like, yeah, they were releasing this. And you are like, okay, well, what could go wrong, you know? <laughs> and sure enough, some people, to be funny or to prove a point, um, they started to have uh, these little audio snippets. And one was, like, of, like, very vocal, very loud Porn. Okay. <laughs> and the thing is, is that um, you wouldn't know that it was such, and only after you listen to it were you like berated with this like very loud pornographic kind of noise, let's mm. say. And so this has um, some people concerned because we now question like how well are we able to police kind of like audio snippets like this on on social media, uh, at least with like you know um, a tweet that's in text. Um, I could have some kind of algorithm or some kind of artificial intelligence um, algorithm that could, like, screen it for, you know, hateful words mm-hmm. or, or other kinds of things that, that I, I don't want to, to read or see, or, and it could be flagged. But with audio, it gets a little bit more complicated. And so many people are saying, it's like, well, how bad could this get? Like, could this get out of control? Um, Twitter already has a bad reputation with, like, curbing hate speech and other harmful content on its, its, uh, on its network. So could this audio feature, like, exacerbate these problems? Um, like, could pesky trolls and other, like, bad actors spread, like, very malicious content, hateful content, and mm-hmm. other kinds of, like, audio content that we, that we just don't want on these platforms and in, in a way that's, like, very hard to police and identify? Um, it's very easy for us to, like, mark adult content and images um, as being, like, adult
0: and sensitive. Right, and, and filter do, like, them out, out, right? Filter yeah. it out.
1: Exactly. Are we able to do that today with uh, audio that could be, like, very pornographic or um, uh, gross, you know, like right. people saying, like, horrible hate speech or whatnot? And so... We're saying probably not today. Right. So. And
0: beware of, of, you know, you know, if you're, if you're looking at your phone and you're going through your tweets and you press on it and your, your kids are around or, or like you can't tell what's, what's coming up on there, right? So you have to beware of what you're actually, uh, gonna be listening to.
1: Yeah. So that's it. And, and people are also saying, it's like, well, what happens if we have audio of graphic violence or if we have audio uh, of people that were recorded without their consent? That's another oh, thing. Yeah.
0: So that's you could true.
1: record somebody without their consent and throw it up on a social network and then within half a day, you know, millions of people have heard it.
0: Right. <clears throat> wow. Uh, do we have, to- we have time for a question to answer a question? I'll do my best. Okay, so uh, this person is uh, wants to use FetLife, which is a uh, a fetish uh, dating site. Wants to meet somebody else who practices uh, same, you know, BDSM practices and whatever. And he's concerned about putting his picture, his like, because you do a profile like you would on any dating site, um, putting a picture on there on a site that's specifically about. Fetishes and worried about uh, being outed or, or, I don't know, something like that. What What is the dangers of that?
1: Um, well, first off, uh, FetLife is more of a social network. It's not really geared towards uh, hookups per se, even though people do use that to meet like-minded people in the BDSM and fetish community. Mm-hmm. Um, it originated in Montreal, interestingly enough, yeah. and I believe it's like Vancouver-based now. Um, but it is a social network and or, or even a a dating app, I must say Um, the rules are, if you do not want to be identified, um, do not put any identifying information up on any social network. And it's increasingly easy for you to become identified with just a simple photo of your face or like a short, even a short video clip that has your face identified in it using technologies like facial recognition. Mm -hmm. So um, if if you do not wish to be identified, do not show your face on uh, these platforms. And you should only post content where you are identified in it, content that you would feel comfortable showing to a complete stranger you would meet in public. So that's mm-hmm. usually the standard that you should use to gauge what kind of an identifying information you should put up on a social network of any kind. Right. Um, yeah. So with that said, it's like on FetLife... Um, because of the sensitive nature of the platform and, and how people can, can use information posted on it to blackmail you or shame you or whatever it is, um, wear a mask, don't show your face, uh, don't post your real name, uh, n- nobody really – I, I don't know, I can't, I can't imagine, like, why – Unless you feel comfortable with that. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's totally logical. And just, like, don't show your face. Yeah. Wear a mask. Many people wear a mask. Why not?
0: Yeah. I guess because they want to be able to show their attractability or whatever, right? So, I don't know.
1: Um, There's ways around that. Uh, So, you could show uh, your face, like, through... Uh, a text message or you could send a photo to the person um, off the platform. Mm. However, be very careful doing that because there are many scams uh, out there where they immediately try a scammer will try to get you to move off the platform and then share sensitive information on something that is not regulated, such as through text messages in order to pull you into their spider web of scamminess. Right. So um, be very careful and uh, no money um, if somebody's like... Falling in love with you like really quickly and like you know that chemistry is is really amazing and like the the sparks are flying that's usually a red flag.
0: <laughs> exactly. A couple of texts here. If Twitter lets Trump's lies and stupid tweets go through, they will allow anything.
1: Um, Well, actually, Twitter is clamping down on um, the disinformation that uh, Trump is trying to pummel, especially when it comes to uh, COVID-19 and also promoting violence, especially against the uh, Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter protests and other uh, uh, anti-police brutality protests.
0: They are shutting them down, it's true.
1: Well, they're flagging them and saying, like, okay, this is inappropriate or this is, like, inaccurate. Get the right facts. Right. Um, and I must say that uh, Facebook is being uh, dragging their feet on doing likewise. Uh, other, other social networks have been pressured to follow uh, Twitter's lead. And um, Facebook uh, is, is digging heels in the ground. They, they, they don't want to um, open that can of worms.
0: Mm. Well, it, mm. it's a huge can of worms. There's no question about it. I mean, look mm-hmm. how many people get their news from Facebook. Right. Yeah. And and so like teasing out the sources and or, or you hear people, you know, make make comments and like, oh, where's your source? Well, I saw it on YouTube. You know, it's like, again, here, it's like you things you cannot trust, really. Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, dubious at best. Well, that's it for us, Jason.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't get to talk about our, our third segment. so our, We'll take that for COVID
0: our next se- show. Oh yeah, we'll start mm-hmm. with that—the COVID uh, wheel of foreplay. Why not? <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll still be doing this COVID style. So uh, we'll deal with it uh, next month. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us, uh, Dr. Behrman. Always a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: My pleasure. Always great talking to you, Lori, and to all the listeners. Thank have a good you. evening.
0: Thanks. Uh, thank you all for listening and your text messages. Uh, thank you to our technical producer, Nicole Proano. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Batito or through my website, DrLaurie.com, where you can also have access to all of our past podcasts, including this one if you want to share it or listen to it again or what have you. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion in Montreal City.